You're listening to The Seeker Podcast with Amber Smith, episode 10, Be a Better Leader. Welcome to The Seeker Podcast, where learners and doers come because they want more for their life, their family, business, and faith. My name is Amber Smith, and if you are seeking something new or more for your life, you've found the right place. Welcome back to another episode of The Seeker Podcast. I'm excited to have you guys here, and especially today because I'm introducing my first guest on the podcast, and I'm so excited to introduce Rob DeLang as my first guest. And he is a keynote speaker, an executive coach, and he facilitates leadership workshops around the world. He works with businesses like eBay, AT&T, LG, and Salesforce, as well as startups and mid-sized companies. He specializes in developing leaders and building high-performance teams. He's a really cool guy. He's traveled all around the world to train and coach professionals. And he's really special to me because he is also my dad. I had the privilege of raising girls, but grew up in a household of boys. So that's the cruel hoax of life, is had to do a lot of stuff that uh, didn't really know how to do until we get into the parental journey. Uh, Second is I am a executive coach, workshop leader, and speaker. Uh, I have my own business, Career Climb Consulting, and travel around the world. And my, my best part of my job is I get to hang out with some of the best leaders in the world in lots of different industries. So it's a fun job. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I shared a little bit about that in your intro. And I just kind of would love for you to share how you got to this point, a little bit about your story and your career changes over time. Okay. Might be surprising to your listeners to know that uh, I'm a computer science major did not envision being where I am in my life right now doing the work that I'm doing. That was an accidental discovery along the way. But it was some great leaders that helped me make that discovery. So my first job was in telecommunications, programming, HR, payroll, and benefits. Uh, Worked that job for six years doing classic computer science stuff, programming mostly. Um, When the 90s rolled around, there was a startup company, PeopleSoft. They later got acquired by Oracle. I joined them on the recommendation of a friend And that's where I really started making the transition from technical professional to into leadership and management. Um, It all started when I was working in education services. I was doing some courseware writing and I was visited unexpectedly by the vice president of uh, PeopleSoft University. She was asking me how my work was going, how the courseware development was going, just to drop by casual visit. And then things kind of turned a little serious. She said, Rob, this company is going to be growing 50% next year. And we're going to have to hire about nine or 10 new technical instructors. Um, We need someone to lead the team. And I think you're the guy to do that. Now that came out of nowhere. That was, I was blindsided by that um, invitation. And I said, Marsha, I'm not sure that I'm a manager kind of guy. I said, I like the technology and I'm not sure that I'm cut out for this management thing. And she said, how will you know unless you try? So that one question changed my life, caused me to rethink my career, and that was what got me into my first management job, um, leading technical instructors at PeopleSoft, and from there it was a pretty interesting journey through lots of other twists and turns to get into organizational development, which I did four years before PeopleSoft was acquired by Oracle, and then worked for EMC, Visa, the Wiseman Group, and now in my own business for the past five years. Very cool. And so tell tell us a little bit about multipliers. 
Yeah, I'm a multipliers practitioner with the Wiseman Group, and that's an interesting story in itself. Um, I was introduced to the book, Multipliers, written by Liz Wiseman, by a friend of mine who was a manager over at Office Depot. He's a general manager there. He said, Rob, this is a book you've got to read. It's the, you know, it's the best book I've ever read about leadership. This is in 2011, a year after it was published. So I read the book and was instantly captivated by the research because it only explained, explained precisely actually why four leaders in my career were super influencers and had an amazing impact on my career. It demystified what they did in terms of their leadership practices. And I wanted to become one of those leaders. So it kind of led to two things. One, the realization of what they do and increased my passion to become that kind of a leader. So I met Liz, the author, um, within weeks after reading the book. And we did pizza right at Amici's Pizza down the street from Stanford University. Kind of stayed in contact. It was really, uh, you know, just a really amazing meeting. And unexpectedly, four months later, she invited me to join her business and to lead the training and consulting practice. Um, that was a serious life choice. I was, I was in a job that I loved at Visa. And so um, it required a lot of introspection with my wife, um, a lot of family counseling. And finally, I decided, yeah, these practices, I really want to go and, and master them. So I went to work for Liz and worked for her for three years. Okay, and for those who in my audience who don't know what multipliers is, I'm going to ask you to explain it a little bit to them. What does it mean to be a multiplier? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a really important question. Uh, a multiplier is a leader who grows and increases the intelligence of the people around them. So they're not the kind of leader that has to be the smartest person in the room and solve all the world's problems, be the hero. Um, in my career, I found it's a, it's a rarity to be around leaders like that. And they have a tremendous impact on our growth and where we develop as human beings. So in the simplest terms, to be a multiplier is to be the person who can grow and increase the intelligence of the people that you interact with, whether that's up the chain of command, out to your clients, um, within your family, or even with the people who work for you yeah. across so, all those dimensions. So what are some characteristics of a, a, like a true multiplier? A true multiplier is the kind of person that will um, really deeply in, engage and involve the people around them in solving the toughest problems. They'll ask a lot of questions. There's more ask versus tell in their style of leadership. Uh, they will also be very intellectually curious in wanting to know the why, why things are the way they are, why people behave the way they do, what motivates you know, individuals, teams, and organizations. So it's a really fascinating experience to work for one or to work around that kind of leader. Yeah. And it has a total implication for team like performance and right? It absolutely does. And and what you'll learn for those of you who are curious and want to read the book. And by the way, this is not a book commercial because mm -hmm. I don't make any money off the Multipliers book. <laughs> Those royalties really all go to Liz Wiseman. But the book has changed my life uh, professionally and personally in the home. And so I will say that just because it has been fairly transformational for me as a person and as a leader. Um, Liz boils it down to five practices, and you'll learn about this in the research. Debate. The Multiplier leaders will engage the people around them in debate about trade-offs and the important courses of action and decisions that need to be made with the team. They are challengers. They will push us out of our comfort zone and get us to the point where we can believe that we can actually attain seemingly impossible goals. They get us to go beyond where we want to go. 
they're investors. They will um, allow us to develop and grow and give them a return on investment because they will coach and teach us, but we will develop and have more capacity because of their influence. Uh, they're liberators. They give us space to think, but in exchange for that space, they expect our very, very best work. And they're also talent magnets. They, they attract the best and the brightest, and they blend all of those capabilities together for the common good or for the achievement of a mission. So it's pretty amazing, the set of practices. It's not a very large set of practices, but they're very potent when they're combined. Yeah, very cool. I've loved learning about multipliers from you. And I also think it has implications more than just in corporate. And I'd love if you could talk about just leadership in general. You know, a lot of my listeners probably aren't in leadership roles in like a corporate position, but maybe they're, you know, a parent or they serve in their community or in their church or something like that. And so to you, what does it mean to be a good leader in general? Well, that's a very powerful question. I think at its core, I go back to a definition that was first voiced by Simon Sinek, one of the leadership thought gurus of our age. He said, leadership is not a rank or a position. It is a choice, a choice to take care of the person on our left and on our right. And I think at, at its essence, that's what leadership is. We, those of us who are parents, we're leaders in the home. Those of us who have best friends or nonprofit causes, churches that we serve in, you know, we're influencers and leaders there. And then of course, if we're solopreneurs or entrepreneurs and we're working with our clients and the people around us, we can definitely influence positive outcomes for them. Yeah, that's awesome. So if someone has no leadership experience at all, like the maybe <laughs> like none at all, where would you say to start? Like what would be their focus right now if they want to start being a leader? Well, the hardest leadership skill is probably influencing. And so you don't have to have a positional title like a boss or a supervisor or a manager to be a leader. Um, if you're going to influence outcomes, you can start to have meaningful conversations with people who are equally vested with you in those outcomes. So I'd say it's deeply listening and being curious about what it is you know and what you don't know about the situation or the problem, and then working together with your combined strengths to solve it. So I think the first order of business would be to influence outcomes, positive outcomes, in everyday situations that you encounter. That's awesome. And you can do it all day long if you, with your friends or family, like you said. That's an opportunity available for all. Equal opportunity. Yeah. And, you know, I think you do a good job of explaining um, being a multiplier in the home. And I think you've learned a lot even as a dad, which I think is really cool. Um, like I said, some of my listeners probably have no corporate leadership experience. But it, what he's saying, you guys, <laughs> is that you can do these things like no matter where you're at, what position you hold. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground here, but um, one of the things that keeps coming to mind is how do I get started and what's going to come up for me as I try to be a better leader? Okay. Again, multipliers is one aspect of leadership, but it's one that I believe in deeply. And it's funny, when I go travel around the world, 90% of the leaders that I encounter really aspire to be multipliers. Like, I want to be that kind of leader. But what stands in the way are some tendencies that... In her book, Liz talks about accidental diminisher tendencies, which means that we could have the best of intent, but still might inadvertently hinder or limit the intelligence of others. So one of the things in my home, which you have observed firsthand, Amber, and I'd love for you to comment on this to your listeners, is I have a propensity to be a little bit of an idea guy. 
where I'll toss too much of my opinions or too many of my, uh, of my ideas out at the dinner table or in business meetings or whatever. And the intent is really good. I want to spark creativity. I want to st- spark thinking. But the effects that it has are not always positive. Sometimes it's too much coming from me and I'm not leaving enough space for others. So I'd love right. you to comment on what you've observed. Yeah, and, and I think what you said is really important is it, it starts with a good intent. You want to share ideas from a good place, but it ends up actually causing you not to be a good leader and create the intelligence of those around you, right? Yeah, exactly, is, is we might be blind to that. We might not even understand the damage or the negative impact we're having with a good intent like that. Yeah. So what other examples do you have of those kinds of things? Like you, the big idea is one of them. What other things should people be aware of that seem like a good idea, but actually makes them not the best leader they could be? Oh man, we will probably need three podcasts for that <laughs> one. But, but just in a nutshell, there's a lot of other behaviors that are good at times or that have positive benefits, but probably not so good if they're overused. Like being a rescuer, We could rescue people, make them successful, save the day, be the hero. But if we do that too much, um, people become dependent on us instead of developing their own skills. So sometimes as a parent, I was a bit too much of a rescuer. Now, when you were three and you ran into the middle of a busy street and there were cars there, I would pull you back on the (laughs) sidewalk because stakes are really high. Death is not an option. That's a good time to rescue. But when you were learning how to climb a tree... You know, am I the kind of parent that's going to hover underneath and wait to catch you? Or will I let you fall from the low branches on the grass, learn a little bit from the experience on how to climb the trees? One of my best friends said, his grandma said, you want to fall from the the low branches, not from the high branches. (laughs) Low branches, you might get a bruise. High branches, you're going to go to the emergency room, have a broken bone, something more serious. Mm -hmm. So when to rescue, when to be a coach is another decision that we make. And so rescuer is a good intent, but maybe not so good all the time in leadership. Uh, perfectionists. Some of us are really committed to perfection. We want a high standard, want to walk the walk, but we sometimes will allow others to feel like, man, we, we cannot, I can't compete with the, your quality standard or your perfectionism. So they feel like they're failing or not measuring up. And that's a real hard one. Um, I go back to the school experience. When you take an exam, you get a 94% on the test. What's the grade? An A. So somebody else takes an exam and they get a 99% of the exam. What's their grade? A plus, maybe? <laughs> Still an A. Yeah. And, and so sometimes we strive for perfection, this 100%, but not everything has to be 100%. Sometimes if we can get the A grade, that might be good enough for a lot of situations and we can save the time to develop relationships or learn new skills or go on and do other things. So perfectionism, rapid response, rescuing, being an idea guy, these are some of the tendencies that Liz speaks about in that accidental diminisher space that can limit us. And what happens when those show up? I guess it all depends on how safe it is for the people around us to alert us to that fact. Um, If we're not creating enough safety and openness and transparency, people might just grin and bear it. They might just shut down. And we may never know those opportunities lost, those moments that we're not harnessing their full potential. If we create a safe environment for them to alert us and to say, hey, you know, you're trying to rescue me here. Let me take a first stab at this. Maybe you can be my coach or my thought partner Mm -hmm. instead. That's where the virtuous learning happens. That's where the true team development happens in the multiplier space. So it's been been fun for me to become aware of some of my own, kind of scary too, (laughs) some of those accidental diminisher tendencies, but to have a supportive path 
to do more of the kind of leadership that I aspire to do, which is more as a coach, a teacher, um, to let, give people confidence in their own abilities to work together. Yeah, I like that. So as I'm considering this, like <laughs> I'm looking at myself and how I might accidentally diminish, but it comes from a good place. But sometimes I'm like an accidental multiplier as well. <laughs> so would you say it's a requirement to be intentional or have you found that leaders can be like accidental multipliers too? Because you can be an accidental diminisher. Can they be an accidental multiplier? Does that make sense? Well, that's, yeah, it does. And in fact, we have to get to conscious habits. So when we become aware, for example, that we're a rescuer, we have a rescuing opportunity every time somebody comes to us and asks us for help. Mm-hmm. But is that really the best response? In some cases, if the stakes are high, maybe. might be perfectly appropriate. In other cases, we might have to shift our behavior. So we might shift in, take our fireman's hat off, and put our coaching hat on, which means we might ask the first question out of our mouths might be, well, what's your fix? Mm-hmm. You know, Give them an opportunity to put their solution, their thinking on the table, and we can help them vet that. Then the ownership stays with them. We're not a rescuer, but we are a coach, and we can still get to a good outcome. So that's a conscious shift going from rescuer to coach. And for some of us, might not be natural. It might take a little while before we remember to put that coaching hat on, but uh, it's doable. I like that. Okay, so just kind of to wrap it up, we've talked about a lot of things. Um, but obviously, I think the most important places we can be leaders is in the home. And I think you agree with that. Absolutely. And in our communities. And, like, of course, the workplace is part of that, too. But if people just want to start showing up as a true leader and they don't, you know, maybe they haven't done those things before. Maybe they've never even heard of the things we're talking about. And they're just like, okay, like, we've talked about a lot. Where do I start? Like, what's one tangible piece of advice you can give them? Um, probably several things. Uh, rule number one, actually it's called rule number six in Benjamin Zander's book. He, he led the Philharmonic Orchestra for many years. He wrote a book called The Art of Possibility. Rule number six, don't take yourself so seriously. So I think number one is give ourselves permission to be human beings. I believe it's possible to take our work, work seriously, but maybe not take ourselves so seriously, where yeah. people can connect with us. And we can learn through life and sometimes through laughter and a few tears mm-hmm. on the things that you know we need to learn in life. So that's rule. That's the first one I think that we need to think about. And then I think the second one would be don't assume negative intent. Sometimes communications come out wrong or they affect us in a negative way, but the chances are pretty high that the person who's trying to communicate with us is not trying to do that with negative intent. So don't assume negative intent. I think we can go to a point of clarification or a place where we can ask them um, to really expound their thinking a little more for us. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is Jim Coos's comment where he, was, he wrote a, a lot of publications, books on leadership, and he said, you know, learning is the master skill. So no matter what level we're at, whether we have a multi-million dollar business or if we're just starting out as a solopreneur or we're working you know, as a mom in the home, whatever it is, there's always something to learn about parenting, about interpersonal relationships, about leadership, about business. So let's just continue to make sure we're learning something new every day. And then the final one would be um, knowing who you are and who you are not, where your strengths are are that people value and that they find extreme delight in calling upon you to serve with them. And then where you're not so gifted and where you might need to surround yourselves with people who have those complementary skill sets. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point is to surround yourself with people who compliment you and have skills that maybe you don't, you know, that they can help you in those weaker areas. I know I've done that in my own life. I think you have to <laughs> bring people on that can support you. Well, for those who don't know, Amber's probably alluded to this in her previous podcast, but um, she is a very good harmonizer. She, her, One of her gifts and one of her skills is bringing harmony to people and relationships. She did that in our home, especially when things weren't so good between my wife and I. <laughs> Amber would be the harmonizer in our family. So it's important to know when we are at our best, when we have those moments, to really add value and to bring success outcomes to interpersonal situations. And I share that with your listeners, Amber, because you're never going to say that. Oh, I'm a great <laughs> harmonizer. But we need people around us to notice that and to be able to share that mm-hmm. on our behalf. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so do you have anything, any last tips or last pieces of advice for these people who are listening? <laughs> yeah, enjoy the journey. Um, your careers and your lives are probably not going to go as you plan or as you script them out. Mine certainly hasn't. <laughs> um, but it's been a joy in the journey, and it's been great to be a part of I don't know, the learning experience in life. So I'd say just be comfortable with the learning, the messiness of it, and always look for what people can contribute with you to get good outcomes. Cool. Thank you, Dad. Okay, you guys, that was my dad. Hopefully you enjoyed our interview. I could talk about this kind of stuff all the time. My dad obviously knows a lot about leadership and the stuff that we talked about is like a little bit content heavy, but hopefully maybe you can um, pull just one thing that you can apply to your life to be a better leader and um, to multiply those around you and not take yourself seriously. I really like that that thing that my dad said. And I don't know. I think leadership is more than just, like he said, like a role you fill. It's what you do and who you are. And hopefully this gave you some insight on how you can be a better leader no matter where you're at in life. So thanks for listening. Um, I would appreciate it, you guys, if you'd leave a review. If you haven't yet, I'd... Um, Takes a couple seconds, just do it, okay? (laughs) I'd really appreciate it. Also, um, if you're not hanging out with me on Instagram, you should be. It's Amber Smith on Instagram. And I have big things happening in my business. I'd love for you to come check it out. I'm launching Coach on Fire this week and um, officially opening the doors. So pay attention to that if you are a coach and want help signing clients. I gave a whole episode on that earlier this, or I guess last week. Um, You can find out more information on my website or on Instagram. And I'd love to see you there if you're interested. And thank you for listening. I will talk to you guys next week.